For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We're back to the Horns Up Talking Texas podcast. Fisher, Snacks, Crider, Desopolist, our guest today, Heisman Trophy winner and founder of new weed strand and weed cannabis empire soon to be, Heisman and astrologer, Ricky Williams, joining the show. How are you, Ricky? Pretty good. It's pretty cool to have all these titles. Which that's title are you most proud of right now these days? Astrologer. That's, that's, that's the one I feel like where I'm making the, the greatest difference. Yeah. Really? Yeah. When did you get into astrology? 2004. It was when I retired from the NFL the first time. And I'd been a football player my whole life. And I was kind of lost, kind of looking mm -hmm. for a direction. And I met this woman and we started talking about my astrological chart. And she didn't even like, give me advice or tell me anything. I just I just knew myself better after the conversation. And I, I just was easier to trust myself. Did it take a while for you to not only understand astrology but then start implementing it for other people similar to how she implemented it for you like 15 years <laughs> so, because i was young you know and she was she was you know my teacher she was in her 50s and so she she had this this knowledge of astrology but knowledge of astrology doesn't mean anything if you don't have life experience to be able to make use of it and so it wasn't until i lived more where like oh that's what that means or oh now i see the connection so it took it took time so it was easier to pick up and learn football than it was to learn astrology. Yeah, because football is a, is not life. You know, right. if I my wife got my wife got mad at me and I tackled her. <laughs> <laughs> they throw me they throw me in jail. So so there's a lot of there's a lot of things on the football field you can get away with that you can't get away with in life. Right. And I think astrology is a great tool to understand yourself, right. the people around you, and, and really how the world works. Did you use astrology? How much did you use astrology, I guess, when you came back for the second time? I was still learning. And so I used it. That, that was really where I did my most learning. I, you know, hmm. I had the flight attendants on the team charters, and I had my teammates, and I would ask for their information. And I would get their information, and I would read what the book said, and then I'd watch. And I'd see how much of what I see in the books am I seeing in this person's behavior. And just that experimentation for years, you know, I finally started to, to pick it up, to pick up the pattern. Do you think there's a correlation uh, with the astrology and how players play on the field as well? Um, of course, of course. But it's like saying, because it's, it's the way I look at astrology, astrology doesn't describe who you are. It's more like a, a mirror to help you understand yourself better. Mm -hmm. And so you say you have a, a player who's who's very fiery and aggressive, the kind that get into fights. 
You know, if yeah. he understands that about himself, he can channel that aggression and that passion more into the sport and not so much into, you know, getting in fights with his teammates. Yeah, I had a teammate like that, Brandon Marshall, you know, and <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't astrology, but he, you know, he started seeing a therapist and understanding himself better. And when mm. he did, he was able to direct that anger in the places where it would get him it would get him paid, not get him fined. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it's right. It's interesting. You see B Marsh. I mean, we saw him at the Super Bowl. He was down there and the kind doing, of doing great things. With I am athlete. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The kind of player person person he is with I am athlete versus the kind of player he was perceived as is kind of is almost like yin and yang and opposite. Yeah, that's the beauty of it. The, I think the purpose of life is to grow, you mm. know, and we all start off naturally good at certain things and we all start off naturally not very good at certain things. And I think the quality of our life is how we attend to the things that we're not so good at. Do we get better or do we lean into our gifts and abuse people with our with our vices? Are there guys in the league right now or guys that you played with um, that you're doing readings for consistently? Um, not yet, but I just found out that Austin Eckler is really into astrology. No, <laughs> right <laughs> down the street, right? Yeah. Another guy down the street, dude. Exactly. So we're supposed to connect in the next week or so. And it's, it, it, you know, I find when people come to astrology when they're lost and most football players during their careers are not lost. They, they know exactly what they want to be doing and how they're doing it. Where I talk to a lot of guys is when they're trying to make the transition, because when right. you've been a football player your whole life, you don't even most of us don't even know who else, you know, what else we have in there. And so astrology can help people appreciate the other skills they have and think about how what other professions what other hobbies they can do where they can apply themselves and, and get some kind of meaningful fulfillment out of it. Yeah, but you say they're like found, but were there times that you felt that you were so defined as like Ricky Williams, the running back, that you were a bit lost? Of course, you know, when the definition fits, you feel found, but when the definition doesn't fit anymore, that's when you start to feel lost. And for so much of my life, I put so much energy into being Ricky Williams, a football player. And I mastered that, you know, and the, the biggest mistake I didn't, I made was I didn't, I didn't ask what's next. You know, I kept trying to follow a dream that didn't have any, any juice in it left for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a new dream you have is Heisman. How'd that start? What made you really want to lean into making it a bigger brand? And you talk about like Austin Eckler, maybe incorporating him into some readings, like Alex was saying, uh, with players. Are there players that you're looking to incorporate into that brand with you? A hundred percent. You know, we, I know I'm an old washed up running back and it's an authentic story around cannabis, but it, if it's just me pushing it, it's, it's not going to work. And, mm -hmm. and I, I think I was a pioneer in the, in, of the, the, the honest, football player stoner because there's a lot of athletes out there that are stoners but because of the stigma everyone's afraid to come and, and share their story and so mm -hmm. you know i think i shared my story and i and i lived to tell about it so hopefully it's creating a safer place for other athletes to just be honest you know because there's so many athletes and this is why i launched the brand is because when i got in trouble with the nfl there were no stories there were no uplifting positive cannabis stories they were all negative stories and what I actually lived is a positive one. And so I felt for all the athletes, the young guys out there that are coming up, like they need role models. And so I said, I need to get my story out there so people know that you can smoke weed and still be the best. And not only that, you can smoke weed and it can help you become a better person, a better athlete, a better at whatever you want to do. How Nobody's is... talking about that. No, were, nobody were you, is. Were you like, while you were playing, did you feel really, really isolated in those circumstances? as someone who wanted to talk openly about it 
while multitudes of guys were were using and continue to do that and find benefit in it, of course. But I feel like just just a tangent here a little bit, like I feel like the only people that are outwardly talking about it are the rule setters as opposed to the people that are in the locker rooms and actually can find the benefit of it. Did you find that like you were you felt isolated while you were going through that experience? I felt isolated pretty much my whole time in the NFL because it's this, this conversation is just one example, but the deeper conversation is really a conversation. Well, the way we talk about it is a conversation of mental health. And in a locker room, it's perfectly fine to talk about how many girls you slept with the night before, right? There's certain conversations that are allowed in the locker room, but there's certain conversations, certain things you're not supposed to talk about. And I felt alienated because the things I like to think about and talk about are these things. I like to talk about how I feel. I like to talk about how something made me feel. I like to talk, ask people about how they feel. You know, it's just, that's just who I am. But in the locker room, that wasn't allowed. And even consuming cannabis, when I consume cannabis, I'm more in touch with how I feel. So mm -hmm. it's easier to access how I feel and it's easier to talk about it. And I think if guys, football players, you know, if we had an easier time accessing how we feel about things and we, it was easier for us to talk about them, we'd be better football players because we wouldn't have so much stuff pent up inside. Yeah, I think like at least with natural like cannabis, mushrooms and stuff like that. I think people really have a that don't use like you're saying the rule setters mm -hmm. don't have a good understanding of what it can do to you. It sometimes yeah. like what we've discussed it's like it heightens your emotions a little It'll bit. Do for you more. What, yeah. Exactly, yeah. it makes you more aware of yourself. Yeah. So if you are soul searching and you all don't have a great understanding of yourself and or like a good footing of yourself, it could open some doors. Well, yeah. add a new you, perspective. Yeah, you said yeah. it. You guys nailed it. This is exactly exactly. Well, talk to us a little about what it does for guys who are maybe coming off injuries, right? Mm -hmm. Rehabbing and even guys who have experienced, you know, concussions like Tua Tagovailoa, like if he were to be treating himself whatsoever with cannabis, like would there be some positives there for that? Well, yeah, this is a deeper question because, you know, there's a lot of talk and a lot of the re research is done on cannabis and physical wellness, you know, healing, especially brain trauma. But my experience, it's really mental, you know, and there, there's definitely a connection. Someone who who feels defeated because they keep getting hurt, their body right, their bodies are going to heal much much more slowly. Someone who has a more positive attitude and is excited to get back on the field, right, that positive attitude allows their body to recover much faster. And you know, my first experience where I I, really, I realized there was something to cannabis is I had a really bad game my senior year, like two really bad games, and I thought you know for all intents and purposes I was out of the Heisman race, and. <laughs> I was, and I was going, you know, and I came back my senior year for all of that. So my life, I like the, the world was in, you know, and, and my roommate was like, he's like, you need to chill, <laughs> you know, and, and, he, and he brought out his bong and he had me take a couple of hits. And that night I stopped obsessing about how shitty I played. And I started thinking about how much better I can play. And the next two weeks I had back to back 300 yard rushing games. <laughs> You know, and I realized how important our, our attitude is. And if we let difficult circumstances, adversity beat us up, it create it creates a loop and we get stuck in it. But if we can shake it off and, and be more hopeful and then put the effort in to accomplish the things that we're hopeful about, things change. Such a unique perspective. Like I'd imagine people would be in that situation as an athlete, like we're saying, like, you know, you don't set the rules. 
So there is some like, oh my God, am I doing the right thing smoking weed? So it takes like an extra barrier to kind of break through and be like, okay, like it's okay that I'm doing this and it's helping me and realizing that help and, and, and viewing it as a good positive thing. And we've yeah. seen like athletes time and time again, like a Josh Gordon, right? Like obviously you were one of the pioneers, but Josh Gordon's one of the, when people like of our generation think of someone, think of marijuana in the NFL, it's pretty synonymous with Josh Gordon because he was a yeah. guy who got hit on, you know, hurt a lot from that, quite frankly. A whole lot. Yeah. And, and the sad part about it is, you know, the NFL says the drug policy is to take care of the players, but it's not. It's punitive and it's ruined a lot of guys' life. Right. And I think they're not suspending players anymore and they're they're changing their attitude. And I think that's great for the sport. You know, and I, I think it's great for the world. My hope is the NFL takes the next step and realizes that cannabis is much safer for these guys than Ambien and the opioids that they pass out like candy, mm. you know, and actually start educating the players and, and maybe even providing them with cannabis. So I think part of Heisman, that Heisman, Heisman provided specifically yeah, one, one, one strain, one brand in particular. But I think there's so clearly like a disconnect, even the way that like if you mock people that are making fun of kids for smoking weed or or teenagers or college kids like we did at ut yeah which we certainly did smoke weed at ut like <laughs> so much like you know but like the way that, the way that we think about how people mock it is like the the old man being like oh you kids are smoking pot like and i think that there's such a disconnect between like calling it one thing and then understanding like what it really is and that there are multiple strands that do multiple different things like it's not just so it's not just white. right ripping a bong yeah. and then you get high and then you you, eat, the you get the munchies like that's not <laughs> that's not all there is to it um and i think that like there's such a lack of understanding and it's it's great that you're providing so much of that context for people with with the strain and with the brand yeah, I think it's cool, like this conversation, like people are, you know, are back and forth and we're laughing and joking and, and sharing honestly and vulnerably. It's going to open doors for people. It's going to help normalize cannabis experience. I think for people that have used cannabis and are still beating themselves up or they're not sure, or people whose kids have used cannabis or their friends and they didn't understand. And mm -hmm. so I, 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 this is my probably my favorite part about Heisman is the ability to have these conversations. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then I, I think, I mean, I'll throw one at you. My dad used to run a dispensary, like own one in Jersey, like a medicinal one. And he was one of the people that was like, all right, is this just like a cash cow type thing? Am I going to just like cash this check one day? And then he actually heard from the patients and there were people, there was a guy that was like our age, like in his twenties who couldn't go out. He couldn't go out in public and couldn't go on dates because he'd have to go to the bathroom literally like 20 times a day. And then he started smoking weed and started using their products. And then it reduced it to like one or two times a day, like a normal person who was able to have a life. Those, I hear that, I hear that story over and over again, people get into it for the money and then they actually start to connect to the patients mm -hmm. and it transforms them. They realize that they didn't mean to do it, but they're doing something helpful and it feels good. Yeah. Yeah. You talked earlier in the show a little bit about that senior season. What enticed you to come back for your senior season? Greatness, greatness. You know, when I was growing up, I didn't have aspirations to be a professional football player. I wanted to, I wanted the college football experience, a baseball ah. player. I, yeah, I wanted to be a baseball player. Yeah, but I wanted the, I wanted the college football experience. And that's why I chose Texas. You know, I, so I came to Austin on my recruiting trip and we we're out on 6th Street and some, some <laughs> girl like recognized me. And I was like, wow, someone recognizes a <laughs> high school kid from California. I'm coming to school here. <laughs> And I had, I had the most, I, t I tell people my time in Austin, the best four years of my life, because yeah, it was, well, 
it was the epitome of college football. And I had an opportunity to be the all-time leading rusher in college football history at the University of Texas. You know, I, I saw that it was possible and I couldn't pass up, I couldn't pass up that opportunity. You wanted that statue. <laughs> I wanted that statue. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm from San Diego myself and, you know, also going to Texas just like you. I always wondered what enticed you to, you know, to come to Austin from San Diego. But once you get to Austin, you start to realize that it's the San Diego of California or sorry, of, of Texas. Of Texas. Yeah. yeah. So when I, when I came on my recruiting trip, it was December 17th and it was 73 degrees in Austin. And I was so like, it took me, it took me around, <laughs> it took me around uh, town lake. Uh, I was, I was so mm-hmm. yeah. I, in the hill country. I was like, ah, I love this. What were some, what was like Earl Campbell like? What were some of the other, you know, some of your predecessors like, you know, when you were inching towards those records? Were they happy for you? Were they, you know, in your ear? Were they kind of like, you know, staying out of your way and letting you do your thing? Uh, you know, I was at Texas for a long time. And so they saw it coming. So I think it was, <laughs> it was easier to prepare for. Um, you know, one of my best friends in the whole world is Earl Campbell. Like he did a, a bunch of amazing things on the football field, but as a human being, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, he's like, ah, he, he's got a heart of gold. You know, he's just always looked out for me through the ups and downs. He's always had my back. He's always smiling, you know, whether he's in a wheelchair, he's walking with his walker, he's playing, he's always smiling. You know, I, I love that guy. And, and I feel, you know, one of the best parts about being a Longhorn that I didn't even realize until after I left was the alumni and because I I, because I did so much for the university and they're so grateful I feel like around the world you know I always have people that have my back yeah well I mean we didn't have the impact on the university like you did but that's partially why we were so enticed to start this show right horns up talking Texas because we feel so embodied by the university and to just give back to the alumni the fans and give people great interviews like yourself and all the other people that have come before you on this show like we felt like this was a great opportunity to reconnect, you know, with the famous alumni and people that, you know, want to hear from, from you. That's great. And also my education, like that's a whole, that's a whole nother piece. You know, you went back, right? Yeah. So, you know, (laughs) when I left Texas as a senior, as a senior, I I think I completed 60 hours. Right. I think it's, I think I'm far enough where I can't get in trouble for that, but (laughs) But school wasn't my school wasn't a priority. Football was. But after I retired from the NFL, school became the priority. And I was happy to go back to Texas and it took me two and a half years full as a full time student uh, to finally earn my degree. But I'm utilizing my education on a daily basis. And it's actually just as valuable as everything I did in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like with the academics? with what you experienced coming from out of state and something that, you know, I grew up in Dallas and I had the same reverence for Austin and UT growing up um, as it seems like kids who are from out of state. But do you think that like UT with the campus, with the academics, with the alumni is singular, like as a university in, in that regard and like really the perfect place that any, whether they're an athlete or a non-athlete could want to go to from a university? Does it well, give I, everything? I, I think you have to, yeah, but I think pretty much every state for maybe Wyoming, <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> and New Mexico and Alaska, I think pretty much every state gives you, like has that university. Okay. You know? But I'll say what's different is that there's something different about the state of Texas. That's yeah. my experience and mm-hmm. coming from San Diego also. 
you know, I was because I, I was offered to every school in the country. And so I was looking for where can I have the best college football experience and something about Texas and how they love football and how they love themselves. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but I, I feel like I'm an honorary Texan and, and I definitely was treated that way. And when I broke the record and won the Heisman, I, you know, I was proud of myself and my teammates, but the, the greatest joy was that I did something for the Longhorn family because mm -hmm. of, of what, of what the Longhorn family gave to me. So one when, when of my freshman year, I remember I couldn't wear enough burnt orange. I'm sure people, <laughs> I was going, I was going to the co-op like every other day to get, <laughs> to get new gear. And I just was in love with the, the logo. I was in love with the Longhorn, you know? Yeah. And, and I think it like, it made an impression on me and it, and it inspired me to, to be great. Yeah. Well, I mean, in college sports and college football, at least winning the natty is one thing, right? That's the top prize. But if a university puts out a Heisman trophy winner, like that's just as big to the university sometimes. Yeah. Right? Like we embody that so, so much. Like we're pulling for Bijan here to just be a finalist and, you know, say what you will, he probably got robbed of, of getting a seat there. But I mean, that would have mean so much to just the Longhorn family. Speaking of Bijan though, did you have a pretty big presence in just his entire time at Texas? Did you speak with him a lot? I did. I did. You know, and people say it all the time and, and he's still young, but he's just a good dude. You know, every time I'm mm. around him, he's always smiling. Even when he got hurt and he was going through difficult, always smiling, you know? And I think football is so hard. When you have a guy on the team like that, it just lifts you up. You know? mm. And even though I wasn't on the team, it still, it still lifted me up. You know, and, and I got a chance to see him. The, the Doak Walker Award Ceremony was this past weekend in Dallas, and I got a chance to hang out with him and Deontay and, and Earl. Um, wish Cedric could have been there. But, you know, it was a wonderful time. And as we all, like, sat around the table and talked to each other, it was just this rich fraternity, and I feel so honored. And as an older guy, when I see the young guys come through, you know, these past three years watching Bijan run, oh, it's been awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you talk to him at all about life outside of football? Because again, like at the top of this show, we really focused on Heisman and then astrology. Was that, is that important? Not only just maybe Bijan, but other players, young guys on the team, when you talk to them talking about life outside of football, it's the most, it's the most important thing because they hear about life in football all day long. Yeah. And yeah. so much where I think even when I was in their place, I didn't even know that there was life outside of football. And so I think to be someone that they look up to and respect and to prioritize life outside of football, I think it sends a, a powerful message. And what I tell them, and I say, even if you're Tom Brady, you know, and you play for 20 something years, or you're still going to have half of your life after football. And if you're not thinking about how you want to, what you want to do in that other half, right, you're going to be, you're going to be late on that, on that, that train. And so I, I tell them, I say, think of what you're learning in college and, and what you have in front of you as it's always going to be a platform. And to think of how do you want to utilize that platform and what, what do you want to do with your life? Mm -hmm. um, because I, sometimes I think that professional sports and college sports sometimes can be a huge waste of talent. Because if the, we, learned, we, get, we learned so many skills that you, that you need to be successful in life how to work as a team, how to bounce back from adversity. You know, these are valuable in life. If it's only targeted towards football, these guys are miss missing opportunities. Yeah, that, this is somewhat related to what you're saying, but Josh mentioned 
baseball and that being a passion of yours when you were growing up, I, I read that you also wrestled. Like, How important do you think it was mm. to play different sports as you grew up, not only to become an excellent football player, but also being an, an excellent person and, and striving yeah. to be that? Yeah, you know, I think especially sports competition, you know, it like it makes things difficult. And whenever you we deal with difficulty, we grow, or at least we have the opportunity to grow. And I think sports is like forced difficulty and it's contained. So you can grow in a and you have coaches, so you have support, you know, and so you can make mistakes, right? You can do things in a context where you can you can learn much, much more quickly. You can you can advance that process. And so I think the skills I had to learn as a wrestler, as a baseball player, as a football were, were all different, right. you know, but they were all different ways that I was squeezed that, that forced me to improve, and get better. Mm. Yeah. A couple more for you, Ricky. Um, on the topic of cannabis use, I mean, we bring up wrestling. It's very, it's, you, you know, football is an ultimate team sport, but wrestling, swimming, stuff like that are very individualized sports. Yeah. Michael Phelps caught a lot of flack for his cannabis use, but for a sport that's so almost seemingly lonely sometimes is it an you talk about the mental aspect do you think that's even a huge bigger impact on like an individual sport so i think that the mental impact on an individual sport and i think it's sport but it's specifically when you're playing at a certain level mm. right I, I was kind of joking about things i can get away with in football that i can't get away with in my marriage you know <laughs> On the flip side, what I this is what I miss the most about football. I think the reason people love the NFL so much is because the quality of the product they put on the field. Right. And that quality is not an accident. You know, it's like the rules in a football locker room is you don't make excuses. You don't, right? Yeah. You have a job to do. You get the job done. If you don't, like the coach says, we'll get your ass out of here and we'll get someone here that will, right? Mm. And so <laughs> it's like the, the, the pressure forces excellence forces mm. excellence you know and that's something that i that i do try to bring over into my marriage into my relationship with my kids is like listen i'm not going to beat you up there's nothing wrong you know but we can always work to get better you know we don't need excuses right i love it jalen jalen hurts after the super bowl he said you either win or you learn oh, see yeah that's great like, we we say that even if he's a sooner <laughs> yeah right then we say that and in sports we if we don't follow it, we get cut, right? But in life, people, you know, people are always pointing fingers and making excuses. Right. And so, you know, that's something that I, I'd like to see cross over from the sports world into the real life is that, you know, we're all playing, right? And we either win or we learn. And if we keep moving like that, we're all going to be good. So as an astrologer, well, I was going to, I was going to have you maybe guess our signs, but we don't need to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you have to meet we, us again. Yeah, yeah. When we meet in person, we can do full readings and, and we're excited about that. But you were telling us you have an app. Yeah. Because as a, as an astrologer, you know, I do hour, hour and a half sessions. I can only do so many sessions. And so I figured right. how can I get this information out to more people? And so I created an app uh, and it's called Lila L I L A. Uh, it's on the app store. We're not on Android yet. But I mentioned earlier, I went back to school and got an education and I'm, I'm using my education in, in starting a business. And it's, it's been fun. It's a, it's a passion project of mine to, to do what I can to share what I've learned. And, um, and I just want to share that with everyone. It's really cool. Give people insight into themselves and people in their lives. What, what would you, like if I were a user on the app, like what am I getting when I, when I download it and I'm check it out? Yeah. So it's perspective. 
you know, it's like we all grow up and we get our parents and our friends perspective of who we are. Yeah. And sometimes it's close. Sometimes it's way off. And I found the closest thing to acknowledging the parts of myself that that I noticed that no one else can see was astrology. And so, you know, it, it's this amazing moment when I'm talking to people and I'm looking at a chart, a two dimensional diagram, and I'm saying things that they've only thought in their own mind. It like gives them permission to take those thoughts more seriously. Mm. Yeah. And so it's, it's like, it's kind of like when we were talking about cannabis, it, it amplifies our internal state so that we can have a better sense of it. And then another thing about astrology, and it's, it's, it has a bad reputation. People talk about prediction, like you can predict what's coming. And astrology doesn't do a great job at predicting what's coming, but it can predict the kinds of questions we're going to face. You know, hmm. for an example, like I can see in my chart when it's time to have one of those difficult conversations with my wife. No, seriously. And it's like, if, if we're not paying attention, the conversation sneak up on us and we're like, oh, but if we know, right, then we can, we can choose that right time where we know there's something we need to bring up. Right. And it's the only thing you might even forget. Oh, we need to talk about this thing because the nature is I don't want to talk about it. So I'll keep forgetting. But if I look at Leela and it says, you know, it's time to have a difficult conversation. It's that reminder and it empowers me to, to be intentional about, about having the conversation. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, like, I mean, we're all in relationships, you're, you're married and sometimes having those difficult conversations, like you're saying with astrology is a growth point. Uh-huh. Like, I don't even call I, I you call them conversations. Like I mean, we, my girlfriend, you know, we've been dating for a few months and now that we've gotten accustomed to each other, we call them discussions. Yeah. Like, Hey, yeah. like we just like, we grow together from this. Yeah. And if you continuously do that and you're better than when you started, yeah. like, honestly, these difficult discussions, you know, help a person grow and become better. And like having just like not sneak up on you, but having a wherewithal to get in the right state of mind so you can, you know, be the best partner you can be. And this is just using the example is great on this app. That, that's why I created it. That's yeah. exactly why I created it. My wife and I started studying astrology together and we were able to have these kinds of discussions in ways that blew both of our minds. And we were like, we got to help other people with this. And so we created Lila. I love it. What, um, just, just one last thing. What do you, what do you say to people when they're just, they go, I don't believe in astrology. I think it's yeah. bullshit. What do you yeah, say I, to that? Yeah. I, I, I smile and I say, have you ever studied it at all? You know? And usually they say no. And then I'll offer, I'll say, hey, if you want, you know, I'll, I'll give them a link. And I'll, let's have a 30 minute conversation about your chart. You might learn something about yourself. Yeah. Then, yeah. It's all about the perspective, right? I think like we were laughing about things earlier. And as long as you can like, as long as you can laugh about something, as long as you're open to the discussion, like they'll they'll give it a chance, right? And then if they're not, then they can probably, I imagine they just walk their their separate ways and, and yeah. you go about your business and it's no big deal. Because I was the same way. I was like astrology, but I was in a situation where I met this woman and we just started talking and I, I wasn't looking for it, but it was it was so helpful that I said, wow, I gotta like, I gotta uh, learn more about this stuff. I think it's like, and again, I don't know if, I don't know if this is hitting the nail on the head yet for me personally, but I think it's so interesting in life. Like A, things happen, truthfully happen when you're not looking for them. Least they expect f- it. The least expect they find you. And B, like your vision of something. Like I used to th- I used to be a party like like planner type thing in, in Los Angeles with like you yeah. know weddings and mitzvahs and stuff like that. Party animal party turn, animal turn, did, party planner. Turn party exactly. <laughs> I took my UT <laughs> I took my UT experience to the streets of LA and I would always tell people, I'm like, take your vision of what this could be and ditch it because you're going to miss out on what it actually is. Mm -hmm. 
Well said. Well said. Yeah, it's like you know. It's I a, feel like everyone graduates from UT with two degrees. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I true. did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Love yeah. it, man. We ask this question to every guest that comes on the show. This could be from you playing, from you as a fan, any point in your Texas hanging out life. What's your favorite memory as a Texas Longhorn? My freshman year, uh, way back in 1995, when the, the old Southwest Conference, this is the last <laughs> year of the Southwest Conference, and we, the end of the year, we played in College Station for the last conference title. And going into the game, the Aggies were number six in the nation, and they had the number one defense, wrecking crew defense, number one. And I was a little freshman fullback. I was scared oh, to death. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I was so scared going into that game. I thought I was going to get destroyed. And somehow I ended up scoring a 22-yard touchdown on a draw early in the game, and I ended up with 165 yards rushing, and we won the, and we won the game. Somehow, so I, man. Somehow. It really was somehow because uh, <laughs> I surprised myself. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Ricky, thank you so much for joining us. Congrats on the Heisman. Congrats on – and I'm talking about Heisman, but obviously the Heisman Trophy back in, <laughs> back in the day. Uh, and 20 plus years later. Congrats on being an awesome astrologer. We appreciate you joining the show. And everyone out there, Fisher, Tasopolis, Snacks, Crider, get your horns up. See you guys next time. Hook them. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.